Welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. We value your time and energy and hope you receive a lot from tuning in. As a listener-supported show, we rely on you to help us grow. We'd be so grateful if you share the show or a favorite episode with a friend or fellow health seeker. Living a healthy and nourishing life doesn't always come easily, especially in today's crazy world. But that's why we're here, doing what we love, hopefully helping you along with information and inspiration that fuels your health pursuits. If you're looking for more support, consider subscribing to the monthly Meal Guide membership. Just $11 per month gets you access to a weekly meal guide filled with healing and delicious whole food plant-based recipes, along with invitations to our regularly scheduled support calls where we can connect, answer questions, and keep the good vibes flowing in our healthy lives. You can learn more at www.alter.health slash meal dash guides. And if you're looking for more in-depth support, check out our other services. We offer both one-on-one consulting as well as educational programs. All of our current offerings are listed at www.alter.health. Our ultimate goal is to empower you to heal yourself. Keeping with that theme, let's dive into today's show. Hello and welcome to today's Medicinal Monday on the Alter Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Susanna. And I'm Dr. Ben. And we've got Theo here who will also be joining us today for, for this episode of Medicinal Monday. We just, we couldn't, um, we, we couldn't not just let him join since he clearly wants to be here. So, <laughs> Yeah, he's got his, his, back, his back to the camera, but. Uh... You're being a little shy. Anywho, yeah, Theo's joining us for now, and we're talking about um, the gallbladder. And of course, we're making our way from head to toe, and I think we're almost there. We've we determined we've got four or five more systems, organs to talk about. Um, and the gallbladder, to be honest, I was thinking, you know, it's just this little thing. Like, do we have to talk a whole episode about it? But the fact is that, yeah, we do, because so many people have gallbladder issues. And uh, to put a number on it, to put a statistic on it, I found that over 700,000 people have their gallbladders removed each year in the United States alone. And of course, the gallbladder removal, a cholecystectomy is very common surgical procedure and the way conventionally that uh, gallstones are treated you know, and gallstones and, you know, a sluggish slug sludge in the gallbladder. Uh, that's the main thing that can become problematic and create a medical issue for the gallbladder. And um, of course that, you know, the, the surgical intervention and the removal of the gallbladder, that's just like, you know, you just remove it, remove the, the issue. Um, and that's the, the way that conventional medicine treats it. And of course uh, that is not to say that Sometimes surgery isn't necessary because when a gall, gallstone blocks the bile duct, um, we can have, you know, a severe inflammation and infection and extraordinary extreme pain in the right upper quadrant of the abdomen. And that often does deem surgical intervention. But of course, we want to be proactive. We want to listen to the early signs and uh, potentially, of course, prevent this sort of thing from happening, but also potentially um, dissolve or reverse any gallstones that might be formed. Right, right. But, you know, it's so interesting that 
you know, when we consider, uh, you know, the conventional approach to gallbladder issues, there is a lack of prevention because the system isn't really set up to really um, help detect gallstone or gallbladder issues ahead of time, right? It's, it's kind of like appendicitis, you know, it's like, oh, you, are, you know, and so that's more of a head scratcher in terms of things that actually trigger that and cause that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, oh, you can have appendicitis, go get your appendix taken out. Right. And, you know, some people will get kind of early signs of gallbladder issues. They'll have a little bit of tenderness or a little bit of achiness in their right, right upper quadrant. Or indigestion but, of fat and mm -hmm. all these other things we'll talk about. So right. Yeah. But some, some people don't. And that's why for a lot of people um, that need to have the gallbladder removed is a more kind of, you know, emergent situation. Maybe sometimes we can see um, with, you know, liver enzymes or bilirubin levels on the comprehensive metabolic panel. Sometimes that can kind of clue a doctor into looking at the gallbladder via an ultrasound. But a lot of times um, this progression of gallstones or gallbladder issues really goes undetected. But that doesn't mean we can't do anything to prevent the issues, right? Yeah. And I think that like you were kind of alluding to some of the things that we can tune in more so are not the laboratory work, which more or less stays within range unless there's some uh, acute severe thing going on. Um, but, you know, the indigestion of fat, kind of the, the tummy aches, the, um, the, you know, bowel issues, digestive issues, stuff. Yeah. These kind of things that maybe, you know, you chalk them up to just being normal, like, oh, everyone's got a tummy ache after they eat. Um, but the fact is that, yeah, when, once we start to create more health and balance in our body, we realize that a lot of these symptoms that are common are not normal, not normal and healthy. Um, so of course, maybe we should start, take a few steps back and talk about what the gallbladder is, what the gallbladder does. Um, gallbladder is, uh, classically known as the bile sac. Uh, the liver has a relationship with the gallbladder. The liver produces and creates the bile. That's one of the functions of the liver. And then that bile that the liver creates is stored in a bile sac and um, that bile is then released into the intestines one, when we eat a meal. And of course, bile is kind of like a digestive enzyme necessary for breaking down and uh, breaking down fat molecules for us to absorb and assimilate. Um, so bile is essential for fat digestion. And um, fat and the gallbladder, you know, that it's hard to talk about the gallbladder and gallbladder issues with not without talking about fat. And of course, you probably know that we we don't like talking about fat on the, the, the podcast when we're talking about nutrition. We don't like talking about any individual macronutrient. But the fact is, when we do kind of break our food stuffs down into macronutrients, we can see that most people are eating way too much fatty stuff. And of course, that's primarily not from avocados and nuts and seeds. That's not what we're talking about. Most people are eating too much fatty stuff in the form of added processed refined oils. And also, of course, you know, dairy products, animal products, etc. that really can put a strain on fat digestion and gallbladder health. Um, so when we're eating higher fat meals over and over again, our liver is is called on to create more bile. Our, our, our gallbladder is, is, uh, you know, requires to store that bile and move that bile. And that process can become, you know, overwhelmed, overworked and sluggish. And then 
like I was saying, you know, we can have stomach aches, like fat indigestion, you know, after we have a fat heavy meal. And usually, you know, it's not like not necessarily for the people who are on like a strict quote unquote keto diet that might be like, dare I say, cleaner than, um, you know, a standard American diet that's like fried foods, like, you know, fried onion rings and French fries and kind of the, the combination of the high fat foods with the carbohydrate rich foods, which can be much more problematic for our digestion for our, for our gallbladder. That's not to say that a ketogenic diet doesn't pose a risk to gallbladder issues as well, but it's classically more of that kind of standard American low quality, um, you know, nutrition and that combination of high carbohydrate foods, carbohydrate rich foods with the fat rich foods. Totally. Yeah. The classic kind of presentation, like the the classic story that, you know, we learn in medical school is, (laughs) you know, someone ate at McDonald's last night and, you know, they come in late at night with intense right upper quadrant pain. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. Um, They've got cholelithiasis. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, diet that is high in fat is a major risk factor for gallbladder issues. Um, You know, I mean, some other risk factors just age. But, you know, we talked about that in our liver episode uh, last week, how the longer we're living on this planet, the more burdens the liver and also subsequently the gallbladder take on. Well, yeah. Um, But you brought up like it's not it's not like the, the risk factors for uh, gallbladder issues are the F's, right? The fat, mm-hmm. um, 40 mm-hmm. and female. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, you know, it's, it's not like gallbladder issues get worse with age, like cancer, um, cancer progression, you know, more, the longer you're living, the, the more likely you're going to develop a lot of chronic diseases, but gallbladder issues kind of peaks around the age 40. And that's uh, generally because of hormonal issues that are happening primarily within, you know, females. And we're talking about like menopause stuff. That, so what, what's happening, and we'll talk about this more when you talk about like reproductive health and, and stuff. But um, during menopause phase, of course, there's a huge hormonal shift in the body. And this hormonal shift is managed and cleared by the liver. And that stress is put on the liver the liver can't keep up with bile production and also hormonal regulation and detoxification. Um, So something's got to give. And generally what does give is any number of those things, but oftentimes also the, um, the, the bile production and the gallbladder issue results. And then people have their gallbladders removed. Um, Also backing up, I just want to say that for people who are listening, who don't have a gallbladder, because we, we, in our group program a couple of few months back, you know, it was, you know, someone asked about like, you know, what about for those who don't have a gallbladder? And I was like, Oh, oh yeah. I forgot. Like a lot of people like, and that age, I was just called this asked like, so who, who doesn't have a gallbladder? And I think, you know, close to half the people in our group at, at one time, like had their gallbladders removed, which again is goes to show just how common of a surgical procedure this is. And yes, people can live a normal, healthy life without a gallbladder, but it blows my mind that when someone has their gallbladder removed, of course, you might ask the doctor, you might ask the surgeon, do I have to change my diet in any way? Is there anything that I shouldn't, you know, eat, you know, chips, fried food, meat, dairy, anything at all. And most people, most doctors, I, what I hear is that, oh, you don't have to worry about anything for the rest of your life. You're, you're fine. Um, and, 
yes, they might be fine in terms of not developing gallbladder issues because they don't have a gallbladder issue to develop, but they're not fine in terms of optimal digestion, detoxification, et cetera. Um, because, and, and of course, since we, you know, it's just, you know, kind of common sense. If we don't have a bile sack, a sack to store our bile to digest fat, then we have to be more mindful of the fat that we are consuming because any fat that we are consuming is going to be directly kind of putting a little bit of strain and burden on the liver directly because the liver doesn't have that kind of accessory organ of the bile of the bile sac of the gallbladder to kind of take the load off a little bit. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. The kind of analogy that came to mind for me is like, um, we always like to encourage people to meal prep, right? To have lots of food prepped in the fridge so that when hunger strikes, uh, you can just open up the door and you don't need to like cook for a whole hour. You can just eat the food that's already been prepared. And the liver having a, you know, a, a bile sack is, you know, it's kind of like that. It's whipped up all this bile ahead of time. The bile is nicely stored in the sack. And then whenever the, the body consumes fat, it's like, okay, here we can, we can use the bile that's in the sack versus calling upon the liver to, um, you know, make that bile from scratch yeah, on right. the moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so of course, you know, maybe shifting gears to talk about, okay, how do we, how do we actually live and eat in a way to prevent gallbladder issues? How do we live and eat in a way to optimize digestion and detoxification without a gallbladder? How do we live and eat to maybe like, maybe we have had an incident of right, right upper quadrant pain. Maybe we did get an ultrasound. We saw, and you know, and you saw a little uh, stone in there, a few stones in there. Or maybe you've just had some ultrasound of your abdomen and the, the ultrasound technician or doctor was like, oh, yeah, there's your gallbladder and you've got some stones in there. You think like, oh, oh, uh oh, is there something I can should do? And oftentimes people are, you know, again, depending on the circumstance, people are like, you know, uh, recommended that they proactively remove their gallbladder. Like, oh, we can just go and snip that out so it doesn't cause you any problems in the future. And of course, because... I was, again, just, you know, on the good old Google machine and it was like, uh, you know, gallstones, you know, there's like the common questions. Can can I remove uh, can I heal gallstones naturally? And the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is like, no, gallstones don't dissolve naturally. Um, there are you, they must be removed surgically. Of course, there's also some quote unquote, you know, pharmaceutical and other interventions like shockwave therapy to help like break up stones and other things that are kind of chemicals that you take that can potentially dissolve stones. Uh, but no, they can't be dissolved naturally. No, they, they must be uh, treated or managed or taken out surgically or pharmaceutically. The fact is that that's not true. You know, the, the uh, gallstones can be resolved naturally, can be dissolved and resolved naturally, or they can kind of just like hang out. Maybe they won't completely dissolve. Like there might always be a little bit of what some people refer to as sand or gravel in the, in the gallbladder, uh, but it won't be to the point where it's problematic so that it lodges into the bile duct to create that kind of inflammation infection scenario. Um, so, of course, the things that we can do to help our gallbladder re resolve stones are just eating a fiber-rich, hydrating, whole food, plant-based diet that's naturally low in fat, naturally rich in phytonutrients, so that we're not continually adding to the sludge in the gallbladder that 
creates the, the stones and makes the stones grow bigger. Um, and then in time, what happens, what, what can happen is that those little stones can just get, they just go out of the, of the, the bile sack into the intestines and you flush them down the toilet. So that's potentially, you know, one, one way that gallstones can resolve themselves. Right. And, you know, the same goes for um, how to approach eating if the gallbladder has been removed, right? We would eat the same whole food plant-based diet that's naturally low in fat, naturally rich in phytonutrients and carbohydrates. And that is going to be the easiest way for a body without a gallbladder to digest food, right? To not load up on lots of fat. It's not to say that you can't still enjoy the, you know, natural oils that are in nuts and avocados and seeds and everything like that. Um, But, you know, certainly, um, it's more beneficial to avoid the high, high fat foods, right? Oils, uh, fried foods, uh, dairy and meat and eggs and all of that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's so interesting, you know, we, um, on one of our thrive on plants calls, uh, it was so cool to hear from a couple people at this point now who had been getting kind of routine ultrasounds for other purposes, not related to gallbladder issues. Um, but uh, for, on a couple accounts, people have said, had said, now that I've been eating whole food plant-based for X amount of years, um, the, the, the recent imaging showed that I no longer have gallstones. Right. When previously, years ago, I did. What happened? Where did they go? Yeah. And that's, again, just to prove the point that, yes, they do. They can and do resolve naturally when we create the environment for them to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not anything extraordinary. You know, there's always whenever there's a stone, you know, that being said, whenever there's a stone in the gallbladder, there's always a risk that that stone can can dislodge and get in the right spot to block the bile duct and to cause that pain and that cramp or maybe then that like long term like occlusion that creates that again that inflammatory state uh cholecystitis is the inflammation of the gallbladder from cholelithiasis which is the stone in the gallbladder um so that can happen uh but you know it when we're but the the triggers for that are generally the the high fat you know the high high fat kind of foods the the high fat, low quality foods, you know, again, it's probably, you're probably not going to trigger a cholecystitis issue from eating like an avocado or guacamole or something like that. (laughs) Right. 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 So then what about all these trendy gallbladder flushes and things like that? Yeah. That's a really good question. And so there is a trend out there of essentially the gallbladder flush um, that I'm familiar with is that you combine a lot of olive oil, like I forget how much it is, but several tablespoons of olive oil with a couple tablespoons of like lemon juice, pure lemon juice, and you blend that up. And then you drink it on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. And um, we've actually experimented with this way, way back in medical school. And we were experimenting with some juice cleanses. And the cleanse included kind of a a pre-cleanse phase that had this gallbladder flush. Man, it it. It does not feel good in the stomach to drink all that oil at once, I will say. (laughs) (laughs) Drink oil in general. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I I guess in theory, what's supposed to be happening is that you put a bunch of oil in your body 
like just oil, you know, no fiber, no anything, oil and, and lemon. Um, and maybe some orange juice too. And the idea is that that oil, of course, tells the gallbladder, oh, secrete a bunch of secrete a bunch of bile. Like, let's get this this um, this oil digested. Let's get this oil absorbed. Um, so the gallbladder secretes, like, just is forced to pump out and like flush. You know, ideally, this this um, the 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 gallbladder release the bile from the gallbladder and kind of like promote. The, by the way, you know, side tangent, one of the things that the bile does and one of the things that the gallbladder does is not only, you know, digest fat and break down fat, but it's also a route that the liver uses to shuttle out toxicity from the body. Um, so you're shuttling out, you know, you're breaking down fat, but you're also shuttling out all these potential toxins that are kind of making their way through the biliary tract into the intestines. And if you follow that gallbladder flush with just, you know, most people are following it with like a, a bunch of food and, and then like eating more. But if the idea is if you just give your body like a shot of oil, um, then that like just overwhelms the gallbladder and kind of tricks the gallbladder into just doing this big flush mechanism. Um, so that's the, the theory as far as I understand it. And um, it's, are we fans of it now? I would well, say I'm not a fan of it. No, now. I'm not a fan of it now. No. I think what I would prefer to do is like not put it the way I see it is like that drinking, drinking a, a glass of olive oil, like puts us, it causes the gallbladder to work more. Um, so my kind of understanding now, it's like, let's just let the gallbladder hang out. Let's let things process themselves. You know, that's not to say that we, um, don't eat any fat or because anytime we are, we're eating, we're going to be eating fat and calling on our gallbladders to release bile to help break down and absorb that fat. And as that gallbladder releases bile, it's promoting the, you know, rest of detoxification processes that are happening in that liver gallbladder relationship. So it's not like we're not using that pathway. We're just not like pushing the gas pedal to like accelerate that pathway. We're just allowing that pathway to, you know, run on its own. Right. That's yeah. Is there anything that you would add? Yeah. Just that in my opinion, the gallbladder flesh and other, other kind of specific gallstone dissolving herbs, in my opinion, are a little bit aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, and there is always a risk that like, okay, if like, if you really do put that kind of stress or strain on the gallbladder, it could actually stimulate, you know, totally. the lodging of a gallstone into the bile a bile duct and and that's like the worst case scenario right so i really like this this approach that is really just supporting this pathway most optimally with how we're eating and the natural byproduct of that is that over time slowly and very gently the gallstones can get smaller and dissolve and uh not be an issue anymore yeah you brought up the uh, herbs that can be used like again you know not a whole lot of science around a lot of these but right. herbs that can be used that you know can theoretically help to dissolve stones and break up stones um, and maybe there would be more reason to consider that if there were like an active kind of flare of that right upper quadrant pain. And it's like, you know, you got gallstones and it's kind of irritating, but not to the point of like full-blown cholecystitis. Maybe some of these herbs can be helpful for that acute phase. Um, but more importantly, you know, that's kind of like disaster relief crisis management. More importantly, we want to avoid getting there if so again just to reiterate 
if we have gallstones that have been diagnosed or incidentally found, or we're wanting to make sure our gallbladder has the health and function that, you know, we want to provide it, um, then, you know, eating a nutrient dense, carbohydrate rich, whole food plant-based diet that's rich in fiber and phytonutrients and naturally lower in fat is really the way to go to naturally promote the healthy biliary process and create the environment for the stones to dissolve themselves and, um, you know, everything else that is kind of the side effect from that. Yes. All right. So once again, whole food plant-based eating for the win. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's not like, you know, I've, I've heard side tangent. I've heard some people say, Oh, you know, here's a, like just, you know, on Instagram or whatever, like, this is a red flag. If anyone tells you that one way eating can um, can help all of your ailments go away, like that's a red flag. You know that's not true. And I was like, what? <laughs> like that's not my experience. That's not my experience. Um, so I think that we live in a world where, again, like people have a hard time like understanding and considering that maybe there is an optimal way to fuel ourselves as human beings. Um, maybe we can do things um, in, a, in a way that's fully aligned with nature. And maybe there isn't like, you know, reductionistic, individualized, complicated, complex processes that are needed. Maybe it's much more simple than we are led to understand or think. So anyways, I think it is simple in my experience to, you know, just give the body what it needs, the nutrients and resources and environment. And my understanding, you know, everything fundamentally comes from the earth and focusing on the plants that are and nutrients and, you know, foods that are closest to the earth, unprocessed, unadulterated, et cetera, that gives our body what we need. And I don't know why that's controversial. Um, anyways, little, little, soapbox tangent to finish off our rant today it's good to have one of those every now and then yeah all right everyone well um maybe i'll see you next week maybe not for another medicinal monday yeah. but probably wednesday we're on baby watch for those uh who uh don't know and uh we do hope to be putting out more episodes i don't know we might we might pre-record <laughs> some stuff if we get around to it before this baby comes yes might pre-record some stuff might not um but either way we'll see you next time see you next time bye